Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como, and the goal of these podcasts are 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need to know to help you in your role as a hospice, palliative care, and serious illness leader, and also team members at all levels of the organization. So our goal with these podcasts is relevant need to know for your role, short and pithy and concise. The bookend of our podcast is always something to make you think deeper about the topic, but also about life in itself. So I'm so happy to have with us our guest today, Dr. Elizabeth Burpee. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks. Great to be here, Chris. Elizabeth, if you don't mind, just to set the table, why don't you tell our audience what they need to know about you? What would be important in your background? Well, I guess for the purposes of today, um, an important need to know is that I'm a physician and I sort of, it sounds a little bit like a canned story, but I came to medicine through uh, initially my work in a homeless shelter uh, years ago in Boston um, and some other work with underserved folks. Um, I, I sort of got the bug for needing to be able to solve problems um, and to solve problems in a concrete way. So I, you know, through a series of events, ended up in med school and I started out as a surgical resident. What better way to solve problems, you know, concrete problem solving Absolutely. than through surgery. Right. So um, for a number of reasons, including uh, the fact that um, and this is something that I think it's important to know about uh, me as well. uh, The fact that my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer while I was a surgery resident. And uh, because of that, I ended up moving out of surgery and into internal medicine, which was a very welcoming, a wonderful specialty for me at the time. I eventually made my way into hospice and palliative medicine where I kind of found my people in healthcare, And so that's been really great. Um, Another thing about me that I love to share is that I really love to grow food. I consider myself an urban farmer, but maybe that's not entirely true because it's just in my yard. Um, But we have a pollinator garden. We grow lots of food. um, And that's something that just brings me a lot of joy. That's awesome. Actually, we have more in common than I actually even knew before uh, we started this podcast. We'll have to trade kind of gardening and farming secrets afterwards. That's great. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) Our title today of our podcast is Resiliency, Hope, and Gratitude are the Answer. And you'll understand more as we get into it. And so what really inspired me to do these TCM podcasts was actually in a meeting at one of our TCN member hospice organizations. And leaders were just really concerned about staff because they're seeing – I'm going to use the word burnout, and Elizabeth is going to repackage it for us in just a little bit, but seeing burnout, and then I've been doing a lot of reading and research. In fact, Elizabeth, I had shared with you an article that I came across. We were doing research. Google has a very interesting employee assistance program called Lyra, and they actually did a survey, and it it just affirmed what we all are seeing throughout healthcare right now. And uh, this was, I think, was this in particular in healthcare? Yes, this was for healthcare workers. And 62% are worried about their future, 43% are sad, 36% are angry, a third are lonely, third are experiencing significant anxiety, 30% are stressed, so stressed that it interferes with their work. And this is what we're seeing throughout healthcare. So it's what inspired me to start these podcasts and, and really bring relevant need to know to folks. In fact, our very first podcast was called From Burnout to Breakthrough. And um, we had John Locke, and he had some very practical examples. John had actually spent some time at the Human Performance Institute. So what I envisioned is, of course, we'll have more than three podcasts, but there'd be three. And so what I'd say today is I want to go deeper with Dr. Burpee, with Elizabeth, um, because I think people are, some people would say what I'm experiencing, I would call it burnout. And Elizabeth, you immediately came to mind because of your work in Project ECHO, So if we can, why don't you set the table first, since that really was the backdrop when you've gotten exposed to what a lot of our peers and coworkers and friends are dealing with in healthcare. So 
what is Project Echo? Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so Project Echo is a, uh, a series of basically online gatherings. Um, we have a couple of different uh, groups that we offer for hospice and palliative care providers um, in the Carolinas, but also around the country. And Project Echo in general is a much larger project, and we don't have time to talk about that today, but we are, we are a smaller version of the larger Project Echo community. And again, uh, we, we, we facilitate online gatherings for hospice and palliative medicine providers. Um, our goals really are to create community, um, to have people interact in an all teach, all learn environment. So we invite all members of the interdisciplinary team to the ECHO sessions. Um, and this is, I think, one of the great things about our specialty, our interdisciplinary team. I think we have a lot to teach medicine through our interdisciplinary team. Um, but we, we have these one hour sessions where all members of the team can gather from around the country and we, we use tools to, to accomplish our goals, to create the community, um, to help build uh, you know, mentorship relationships, all sorts of uh, positives are sort of growing from our ECHO work. Um, but the tools that we use are um, a variety of things. We use uh, brief didactic presentations. We offer CME credit, uh, so a free CE credit. So I think that helps folks out. Um, we offer uh, case-based learning. So some of our providers bring their patient cases to the table and we all talk about the cases. We talk about um, what we can learn from the cases and we, we, we solicit input from all members of the IDT. So um, in that setting, you know, the physician isn't sort of the most um, knowledgeable. Everybody brings to the table um, their uh, area of expertise. And so everybody has expert level knowledge. And so that's a really great um, tool, I think, to help build community. Um, we also use some skills workshops. Um, another thing that we started to do, and this is really how I started to learn about um, resilience. So I have a couple of mentors. Dr. Janet Bull at Four Seasons is a mentor of mine. She's done some interesting work and in burnout in our field. Another mentor is a friend and a colleague named Vicki Leff. She's a, a LCSW. She's been with Duke Palliative Care for many years. And Vicki came on to our ECHO team and it really helped me develop a what we call the resilience series for our participants. We focused on um, we focused on topics such as grief, such as self awareness, such as moral distress, um, all in an effort to help build resilience. Um, the more we learn about those difficult uh, states, you know, the more we're able to sort of work our way through it. So. Um, we, we were, this is again, pre-pandemic, we were teaching, mm -hmm. teaching sort of resilient strategies through these topics. Um, another thing that we, we started to teach folks was the, the practice of debriefing. And a lot of this work comes out of the social work and nursing literature. Um, and so I encourage people to look there if they're interested in learning more about debriefing. Um, but debriefing has been a really valuable practice, mostly in academic medical centers, but is now spreading throughout healthcare. Um, where groups of people uh, with something in common in healthcare, whether it's a, an ICU team or a hospice and palliative medicine team or just a part of the team, however you want to define it, you get a small group together and you, you create intentional space to basically talk in a facilitated way to give and to be able to give voice to the difficult work that we do. Again, it's a facilitated um, set of interactions. Uh, so there's some ground rules. You have to have a, a good facilitator. Um, but debriefings are really just a way for people to share some of the difficulties and to, to learn that we are not alone, that the difficult things that you're experiencing, 
your colleagues are also experiencing them. And hearing two people connect on that, oh my gosh, you're going through the same thing I'm going through. I'm so relieved to hear that. Um, I've heard that over and over again. Um, so the, that's a little bit of a, a you know, a little bit of a, a um, little bit of information on our project Echo, but also um, to talk a little bit about uh, the facility, the um, debriefings um, that we use in Project Echo. Again, I just want to say that we started this pre-pandemic, so yeah. you know, a year ago the pandemic hits, and um, we thought, wow, we've already developed a little bit of a community here with our Project Echo. Let's go deeper with these debriefings. So we started holding live debriefings. Um, not just teaching people how to do them and teaching people what they are and talking about the literature behind the effectiveness, but actually holding debriefings in our sessions. Um, and we got really great, um, really great feedback on those. And we really did that quite a bit at the beginning of the pandemic. And we're continuing to do it now with our Project Echo uh, sessions. So um, that's a little bit about Project Echo and about some of the tools that we use to build community. Yep. So I want to go there in just a second, but just to kind of reiterate and Correct me if I'm wrong, Elizabeth. First, I, you let me sit in one of your echo sessions, and I was blown away. And just to think about, you know, you were definitely uh, you were a country before country was cool. You were doing these sessions via Zoom before. Now we've all found ourselves via Zoom, and you were working on a topic that now seems incredibly timely. And one of the things that struck me about Echo, and if I, I don't want to go into all the details, just like you said. But it really was built as a model because you have some very specialized knowledge for certain practices, and they created this model as a way to disseminate this much-needed knowledge via this medium called ECHO, um, Project ECHO. And so you guys have utilized it, harnessed it in a specific area of palliative care um, and have had just some phenomenal stuff. Well, you've started to hit upon, um, as you said, Dr. Bull was doing research around burnout. And so you guys started kind of having this backdrop of burnout, and you just hit upon debriefing. But just pretty succinctly, and then we could unpack it. Um, what are some of those key solutions? First off, I think you hit upon it, right? You've reframed this concept. The first time I talked about this podcast, you corrected me quickly. It's, you know, having the depreciative viewpoint of burnout, you hit the word resiliency. So what have you found through Project Echo? What is the key? What are the solutions for people to move from burnout to resiliency? One, it sounds like is debriefing. That sounds like a really big one. Absolutely. Very effective. Um, and there is literature um, that states such. So I encourage people to look for that. Um, I want to say that, you know, I really think our field is very well suited to um, to not only help ourselves in a situation such as the one that we're in with the pandemic, but also to help other specialties. And I think we have a lot to teach um, healthcare in general as a specialty. I think the fact that we are all we are already social by nature, you know, by design with our IDT, uh, we are we have already created a gathering space. Um, <clears throat> so, like you said, we're a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, so, just being in hospice and palliative medicine, you know, I, I learned that working in a community is a very effective way to not only build great relationships with um, your peers, but also to create great plans for your patients and families. Um, so again, bringing all of the expertise of all of the specialists to the table um, and, and coming up with plans in, in a collaborative kind of way, I think is just really, um, I mean, kind of revolutionary, not to us, but I think to other parts of medicine it is. And I hope that we can spread that um, over time. Um, 
So debriefing, yes, I, I, I recommend that. I, in fact, have, have uh, taken the challenge myself and I've started a debriefing debriefing group with one of my palliative care uh, subgroups in four, at Four Seasons, and, and that's going well. Um, so I recommend that. Um, there are a few other things, Chris, that I think are really important. So there are some of our big organizations that have put out incredible materials that I really recommend people look at. So CAPSI, for one, has put out what they call emotional PPE, and it's free. CAPSI is a member organization, but they've put all of this out for free. So all you have to do is go to the CAPSI website to access that information. Another great resource is the ELNEC COVID-19 resources they have put together a phenomenal amount of information, uh, resources, guides, um, uh, uh, mock conversations, role plays, posters, so many things for nurses and CNAs practicing in the pandemic. Um, I spoke with Betty Farrell not long ago. She, she came to our one of our echo sessions and shared the information that they've created. Again, Elnick is just like Capsi, Elnick is providing this information for free. Um, so I encourage people to go to the LNEC website to access that information. Another organization that I think is doing great work is the TEND Institute, T-E-N-D. Uh, this is run by a Canadian educator who, um, who really is providing evidence-based solutions and strategies for workers in high-stress work environments. So this might be a great organization for administrators to go to to look for um, you know, organization-wide strategies, the TEND Institute. One of the things that I personally love is the gratitude journal. So uh, whether you write it down or whether you just do it every morning when you wake up or every night before you go to bed, the idea that you think of one thing that you're grateful for every day. And, you know, I've said this time and again, but it, it may be just be as simple as, you know, I walked outside today and I felt the sun on my face. Um, so, you know, something that you're grateful for every day just gives you that moment to focus in on something to be positive about. Um, I think that's a really great tool. Um, also, the Trauma Stewardship Institute, there you can Google them. They have a tiny survival guide, and I love this tiny survival guide. It's a beautiful one-page, um, well-designed uh, set of reminders about how to survive in difficult times. So, you know, I gave this to my kids for Christmas. Um, it's just something you can either frame or you can tack it up on your wall. It's just a very practical, um, something you can look at every day at work or every day at home. Um, so I recommend folks look at that. There's David Kessler's grief.com, which is also a really useful website. Those are the, those are the big ones that come to mind, Chris, that I wanted to share. That's awesome. And what we'll do since this is a podcast, because I know a lot of people just listen to it maybe while they're working out, et cetera, we'll go ahead and actually put all those links actually on the screen where folks can actually see it. Um, and then, Elizabeth, working within Four Seasons, there's some best practices that you've seen even in your own organization. Can you share some of those that you've seen? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because Four Seasons has really provided phenomenal leadership and uh, care during the pandemic. And I really want to give the leaders of that or of my organization credit for that. Um, really, from the very beginning, the, the communication uh, from the leadership to all employees has been very clear, very consistent, very valuable um, and frequent. And, you know, the communication started out with, you know, this is what we know about the pandemic. And then, of course, transitioned into, you know, um, you know, how to protect yourself and then transitioned into uh, now vaccine information. So just through the phases of the pandemic, Four Seasons uh, communication has been clear and consistent. And I've 
I think it's been very effective. The other thing, another thing that they've done has been to let us know, let all the providers, the CNAs, the nurses, everyone that goes into homes and facilities, let us know that they have us covered with PPE. And that you just don't know how good that makes you feel as a provider, knowing that your organization has enough PPE for you to be safe. And they've updated their, their recommendations for how we protect ourselves in different scenarios as the recommendations have changed through the CDC and, and other um, leader organizations. So um, that's been super effective. Another thing that Four Seasons has done has been various forms of COVID pay, um, you know, financial uh, rewards, and, you know, sometimes a little bit smaller, sometimes a little bit larger. Um, and that's just really been a, a very on the ground practical uh, thank you that I think has been appreciated by employees Gosh, there's so many things, Chris. A couple other things that come to mind, um, providing food, uh, free lunches, uh, free healthy snacks at the offices. Um, those things, of course, you know, nourish your body, nourish your mind. So um, that's been really amazing. Um, and I guess the last thing to say is that Four Seasons has been very um, uh clear about the, the, the healthcare resources that are available to us through the organization. Um, mental health resources, uh, importantly, um, a drive-through flu shot clinic. Um, so those are two of the things that come to mind, but really, really strong response to uh, employee, well, employee wellness during this pandemic. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And I know a lot of the other hospices in our network do a lot of similar things you just shared, but I think it's also good that we say them out loud because sometimes as staff we forget. And since uh, gratitude is definitely the key, which leads me to my final question, Elizabeth, as you and I were preparing, and it's one reason why I titled it Resiliency, Hope and Gratitude are the Answer, <laughs> which almost feels like a duh moment. It is the answer, but it, it, I think we tend to forget, and we, we tend to forget during high stressful situations. So here's my final question to you. How do our wonderful peers, our, our friends, our coworkers, in this hospice, pedicure, serious illness space, how do they maintain hopefulness in the face of a pandemic? And we're all praying that maybe we're beyond that pandemic at some point this year. So even beyond, what would be kind of your final thoughts? Oh man, so many things uh, to think about with that. So um, my first thought is that, and this is true of our work and so, so much work that so many of us do in the world um, that you can't be surrounded by something like grief day in and day out with the work we do in particular and not be impacted by it. Um, so we're all very impacted by, um, by what's going on and we have to acknowledge that. Um, some people have some built-in resilient skills, I think, that other people don't have. Um, and so I think that we have to be really mindful as friends, as family members, as employees, as employers of what's going on with our staff because people have different ways of grieving, people have different ways of processing. And so we have to have openings for all of those ways of doing things. Um, so you have to have sort of a multifaceted approach in terms of helping folks get through the difficulties. Um, you know, and some people are deep in serious mental health um, uh, d uh, uh, dilemmas and, and can't just sort of wake up and, and write in their gratitude journal. So I don't mean to be sort of flippant or easy about something like that. You know, everybody is in a different stage and we all have to take different approaches depending on where we are um, in our process. For me, um, in order to, to have hope, 
I really have to have purpose um, and my work has to have purpose to do something day in and day out. I have to feel like it's having an impact and I'm having an impact. And for me, I think about um, the small impact, well, the, the sort of local impact of um, how can I impact people and, and on a daily basis, how can I make people feel better? So of course, healthcare is a, a great place to be for that. Hospice and palliative medicine is a great place to be for that. For me personally, I also need to be feeling like I'm having an impact on the world. And so I go from the very local to the very, the very universal. And I want to have my work uh, impact the world in some way, whether that's working on health equity or um, uh, palliative care payment or some other policy issues. So I need to have my feet in both of those, um, in both of those areas. Um, so yeah, is that, is that, is that yeah, helpful? It is very helpful. And you remind me okay. actually, one of our guests that's coming up pretty soon um, is a great caregiver warrior. And so she's an executive coach who ended up being a caregiver. And one of the things that she wrote in her book that we're going to talk about in our podcast is that every morning when she wakes up, she basically says, um, how can I be a service to someone today? And before her feet hit the hit the actual floor getting out of the bed. And so that I'm reminded of that listening to you. I'm also reminded of one of the things that we teach even in TCN is getting in touch with our why. And I remember there was a nurse leader that said, you know, that's really cool. And she took it a step further. She said, every day when I get in my car, this is, uh, you know, when we still were driving to every, we were able to drive to everything um, and just go through this mental exercise of why do I do this work? So just getting in touch with that kind of cause and purpose. The other thing, yeah. listening to you, um, Elizabeth, you reminded me there's a great webinar we were a part of last week with the National Partnership for Hospice Innovation. And this was the five kind of point plan that this leader was talking about because they also were concerned about burnout. And it was here. So this is towards the staff. Hear me, care for me, support me, prepare me, and protect me. And I, just listening to you, that feels like a really good summary of everything you've talked about. Hear me as a staff member. Care for me as a staff member. You had some great examples of what Four Seasons does. Support me, and there are multiple ways prepare me and then protect me. All right. So Elizabeth, what final thoughts would you like to share with us? Chris, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I brought a quote because it's a quote that I love and I think it's really important here and there's a lot to uh, learn from it. Um, the quote is from Colin Murray Parks. He's a psychiatrist. He's a British psychiatrist um, and he is still living and working in his nineties. He is um he has worked with trauma survivors from the 50s up through now, um, major trauma survivors from traumas that we all know about that have happened in different places in the world. And, um, you know, as a student of history and as somebody who looks back through all of the difficult things that humans have gone through and, and have gotten through, um, I think this quote is really, um, really nice and a really great way to, to leave folks. So I'm going to read it to you. So he says, with proper training and support, we shall find that repeated griefs, far from undermining our humanity and our care, enable us to cope more confidently and more sensitively with each succeeding loss. Wow. So I think, you know, just, just letting us know that, um, you know, we can come through this and we can be stronger for it, but not just because, but because we're going to work really hard to be stronger for it with all of these support mechanisms um, that you and I have talked about today. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for your wisdom. And then I'll leave them with another quote that builds perfectly upon yours. So our book in for today is Gratitude Turns What We Have Into Enough. That's by Esau. 
Thanks for listening to TCN Talks.